Well, Jesus has been um, teaching and preaching and healing and casting out demons for months now in Galilee and, and, and uh, most especially along the shore of the Great Lake up there, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And the clamor of the growing crowds uh, is, I discern from the Gospels, causing a growing exhaustion for Jesus and his disciples. And so one evening, Jesus suggests to them that they get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake, the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And then you know the story, uh, as they are traversing the lake, a great storm comes up and Jesus stills the storm so that they can arrive safely on the other side, the country of the Gerasenes. Um, Gadara uh, is the, the literal name of this part of um, um, the Sea of Galilee, and it means uh, over against Galilee, the opposite side. And um, um, it, is, it is not Jewish territory anymore. Um, this is pagan territory. And there's some, some uh, details in the story that let us know that uh, Jesus and his disciples are in a, in a foreign, foreign country. And so what ensues is this kind of strange and dark story that you've just heard. They land safely on the other shore, evening is setting in, and the first thing that they see is this uh, muscular man coming down uh, over the brow of the hill, who just from a visual sighting is clearly deranged with wild hair, filthy body. We are told immediately in the story that this is a man who is possessed by demons. The townsfolk had tried to restrain him, but he was strong enough to, to break free of their shackles, and he is found roaming among the tombs of a graveyard, a symbol of death. And the man seems to be at once um, attracted to and repulsed by Jesus. It's actually the demonic spirits inside him that do the communicating with Jesus. They, They want Jesus to leave them alone because they recognize in Jesus a greater power than themselves. Jesus refuses to do so. And again, this is... Gentile country, so we have pigs. You wouldn't have found those around observant Jews. The demons ask, well, let us leave this guy and go into the herd of swine, and that is exactly what happens. Jesus casts them out into the the pigs, and the herd of pigs, quite a lot of them, immediately become deranged themselves and race off the brow of the hill into the lake where they are drowned, into the abyss. I'm looking around the room, and there are at least um, a couple of you who've been um, to the Holy Land, and on uh, at least a couple of uh, pilgrimages that I've taken over there with folks, um, I've asked the bus to drive around this side of the lake, the eastern side of the, the Sea of Galilee, because you can see the place where this, this story is commemorated, and sure enough, the, the hill comes right down uh, to the water. It's not easy, uh, not difficult, I should say, to, to imagine the story. What we see here at a theological level is uh, the demonic orientation toward um, death, toward the abyss, right? There are two symbols of that in the story. First of all, this guy who's possessed is hanging around, finding a home, as it were, in a graveyard, quite obviously a symbol of death. And secondly, the demonic spirits come to their end in the abyss, uh, into the the depths of the sea. 
And Jesus has already just shown us his mastery over the sea, right? And calming the storm on the sea. And he is moving towards showing us his mastery over death. And I guess what I want to point out here, again, this is at the sort of theological level, is that um, um, the reason we need Jesus to cast out evil from us is not because it keeps us from doing bad things. Um, it's not like, you know, God saying, bad, don't do that. It is in the nature of the evil one to lead us to non-being, to de-life life, to lead us to nothingness, tombs and the abyss of the lake. And so what happens is this man is restored from that trajectory, from that orientation leading to the abyss, to death. He is healed, and townspeople come out and find him, and he is in the posture of a disciple. He is in his right mind, he is clothed, and he is sitting at the feet of Jesus. A very important detail we're not to miss. So we have a happy ending. It's great. I think this is where the story gets really interesting. Um, Yeah, 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 Jesus casts out demons. But no, this is the interesting part. The reaction. The reaction in the story is that the townspeople ask Jesus to leave. There's a kind of a fear of... uh, Economic disruption, the hog farmers are not pleased with this. A fear of social instability, which is, as we will continue reading in the New Testament, the early church, that was, that was really their area of greatest resistance. A lot of people said, you believe whatever you want to believe, but don't disrupt our systems that we have in place, economic, social, moral, political. When Christians started living in such a way that those were threatened, that's when they became persecuted. So being a Christian is not about sort of sin management. It's not about evil containment, right? Uh, it's not like, well, this is just parts of my life. If I can compartmentalize them, I can, I can manage it. You know, um, um, in my family, uh, you know, sort of functional alcoholism, Going, going back, um, you know, as long as we can function at the bank from nine to five, um, you know, we can deal with the fact that uncle so-and-so is probably drinking too much in the evening. You know, we're kind of managing it, never, lo- never lost his job, right? It would be like, by way of analogy, uh, a single poor mother living in some housing projects that have terrible crime. And she were to say, well, you know, it's okay because um, during the daytime I feel relatively safe and, I, you know, the children can come and go. But it's just at night that we have to be barricaded behind our doors in our apartment for fear of gunfire and gang violence. Um, that is not the life that Jesus desires for us, sort of managing sin. We need something stronger than that. So we can imagine that uh, Jesus might come to our town and make all these changes by casting out demons, and we say, um, that's an awful lot of change right now. Um, We see this all the time. Another curious thing about the story, and this is what I really want to leave you with today, is the healed man, formerly possessed by demonic spirits, now cleansed, now healed, now in his right mind, now wanting to sit at the feet of Jesus, asks to go with Jesus, to leave and be one of his followers. And Jesus does something very surprising, at least to me it's surprising. He says, no, 
says, instead, go back to your hometown and tell them what God has done for you. So what is this impulse in us that if we experience some kind of spiritual awakening or healing, we may think that the path forward is to leave us, lead us out of our, our immediate situation where we've been living all that brokenness in the first place rather than leading us back into it to bring healing into whatever is broken. Somebody might say, I had a spiritual awakening on this retreat, and I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go on a mission trip to Africa now. You say, that's great. Why don't you make a mission trip to your wife and have a conversation about those things you've been avoiding for a long time? I've had a, a conversion experience, and I'm going to now volunteer four hours a week at a downtown shelter helping the needy. That's wonderful. wonder what your children need from you. This happens. You know, I thought I'd gotten it all my life, but I finally understood what it is to be a Christian. I have had a great conversion experience or something's happened to me, and I am called to ordain ministry. And I always want to say, well, that might be just what God wants for you, but maybe before we pursue that, go back to work and see what it is to be a Christian CPA. Is it not the case that the first beneficiaries of our new life in Christ should be those who are already closest to us. Return to your home and tell what God has done for you. And with apologies to St. Paul, I want to tell you that I think this Gerasene demoniac, as he is euphemistically known, is actually the first apostle to the Gentiles. He is the one who takes the gospel to his fellow Gentiles. So there's an old saying that I've shared before, the light that shines farthest shines brightest, closest to home. The light that shines farthest shines brightest, closest to home, which also reminds me of a cartoon I saw years ago, and I I lost it. I wish I had it. But it's a cartoon of um, a guy dressed like this in a collar uh, in his house walking toward the front door, and there's a female figure behind him, presumably meant to be his wife, who says to the clergyman going toward the front door, um, hey, I have an idea. Let's try it in reverse today. How about you be charming at home and a jerk at the church? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it hits a little close to home, doesn't it, Clint? Uh, Methodist Bishop Will Williman tells a story about a good friend of his, a good friend of his who's an African-American. Um, and uh, this, this friend grew up, again, I'm kind of returning to an image here. True story, grew up in a housing project in grinding poverty, surrounded by violence. Um, but this, this young boy became a youth, became a young man. He worked very hard, and he ended up doing well in high school finishing high school, and he got a scholarship, and he went to college, and he was the first person in his family ever to go to college, and he worked hard there. He did really well, and he had a lot of opportunities. He could have gone on and gotten a good job and gotten away from all of that, but instead, he went right back to the projects and works for a nonprofit for affordable housing and education, and Williman asked him once, he says, why did you do that? And he said, I'm a Baptist. 
which is a way of saying, I'm a Christian. That's what we do. To go back to the brokenness from which we've been healed and take healing with us. So here's my message. The power of God in Jesus is power to cast out your demons. Whatever it is that is maddening in your life, your life isn't unfolding exactly the way you want, according to your will and your powers. Whatever may be leading you to feel lifeless to death, whether it's habits or some kind of events that are beyond your control. Pray for healing. Pray for deliverance. The message of the gospel again and again and again is that Jesus has capacity and the desire to enter into that place. The second point of this message is that the place to live out our relationship with Christ is not out there in some idealized way, a new life away from here, a new job, new activities, new relationships, all of which may be good, by the way, all of which may be good. The place to look for the power of God at work in your life primarily is to your left and to your right, across the table from you, lying in bed next to you, your next-door neighbor, the people you work with at your office, the people you're sitting with right now here in the church. What would that look like if we brought... Jesus' power to those closest to us already. I think it would mean the greatest possible impact for those out there. The light that shines farthest shines brightest, closest to home. Jesus said, return to your home and tell what God has done for you.